Good morning, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the KGUS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. I got stuck, didn't I? (laughs) 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 Along with uh, uh, Jerry Urshibeck and Gary Stone. Jerry and Gary, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. It's going to be a (laughs) tongue-tying day. We'll just give you a little shove every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) A flick in the head and I'll be okay. (laughs) Hey, uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, We will take a little moment for our sponsors and uh, get back into the program. All right, we're back. This is Jeff Edwards, the KGUS KERM Lawn and Garden Program with uh, Jerry Urshbeck and Gary Stone from uh, UNL Panhandle Station. And uh, unfortunately, it is our last show of the season. Oh, yeah. can, can you believe that? We've, I've had so much fun. Uh, my wife seems to think that we should do this year-round, and I'm like, going, um. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that don't think we should do it all year-round. <laughs> okay, you guys, you're done. Well, you're it. You certainly have a great time doing it. Yeah, we really do. Uh, one of the things, you know, we, we spend, uh, we've done this multiple years uh, consecutively, and, and uh, you know, if, as a listening audience, if there are things that you think that we should talk about, uh, please let us know. You know, give us a call sometime. Uh, uh, we'll put it on the list. We'll try to find a guest who knows something about it. And um, uh, that's kind of why we have three people here, so that we're not all talking about the same thing all the time. And, and hopefully it uh, adds a little variety. And So if you have something that you have on your mind, please give us a call or send us an email or stop by and see us or stop us on the street or whatever. And we'll, let or, us know. Yeah, let <laughs> us know, and we'll try to do our best to address that, that need. So, um, you know, it is fall. Yes, it is. Fall is in the air. As, uh, and the fall colors are just spectacular. The, the, the leaves are changing on the trees. Uh, the, the fall clematis, the fall asters, the mums. All sorts of blooming uh, things. All sorts of nice blooming things. And anything blooming now, boy, those bees really go after it. They certainly do. I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain that we haven't had a freeze yet. Uh, and I'm thinking that the, the majority of things, yeah, <laughs> Gary, you, you weather, weatherman, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking we haven't really had any significant frost events either, other than Monday or Tuesday this week when I was driving to work, there was frost on the roofs of the buildings. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, we've, we've had this discussion about what's our fall going to be like. Well, heck, if we haven't had a frost by the 15th of September... Things are looking pretty darn good. Now, just last night I was watching Nebraska News, and Bill Rinchler, the weather guy, said since they've been keeping records since 1893, on average, Scotts Bluff gets their first freeze September 26th. They, uh, Scotts Bluff is, uh, uh, we are a little bit earlier than Scotts Bluff. Yeah. About 10 days. Yeah. Yep. And the earliest uh, freeze in Scotts Bluff was 8, was on... Uh, uh, August 25th, 1910, and the latest first freeze in Scottsbluff was October 27th, 1963. October so 27th, wow. Huh. We're in that area really close as to yeah. when it should be. And uh, you're saying, Gary, maybe Tuesday night That's into what Wednesday? That's the National 
Weather service out of Cheyenne says uh, low 30s, uh, chance of frost. So. so what are you going to do? You going to let it go, or are you going to cover and, and hope for the best? It's your preference. If you're done, if you're ready if to you're be done, if you're ready to be done gardening <laughs> for the season, it just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a song about that. But as late as we've had, I think a lot of people are probably going to try and cover as much as they can. And, hold out another week or so. Yeah, yeah, you know, again, it's that, uh, that it, I know what song you're talking about, yeah. that Frozen yeah. song, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just depends on your season. If you've got something that you want to keep going, we have melons that are still producing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so we'll probably be covering those. This weekend, though, uh, we're going to be doing some cleanup in the gardens of things that, you know, Summer squash are probably done. Yeah. The end of zucchini season has come and gone, yeah. uh, which is um, uh, uh, good for some. The boats have sailed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you've still got those plants out there. It's probably a good idea to clean them up, throw them in your compost pile, and and uh, call it good for winter. Yeah, we too are going to be. Uh, Myrna's really been cleaning up ever since she got this electric weed eater. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked she, about that. She hates the clip, you know, and, and sure. uh, she goes, gosh, dang, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And so, yeah, we're uh, cleaning up. And, oh, you mentioned melons. Uh, we have been privy to have had a couple of really good melons, a couple of friends, neighbor. Uh, man, they are so good, homegrown and cut and sliced right in front of you, and you go, yummy. Yep. Yeah. yeah, can't beat a homegrown melon, can That's you? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Gary, now, do you do, do you do much gardening? No, uh, just don't have time. Sure. You do, don't you have uh, flower plots, uh, I, uh, pollinator plots? I uh, tried another one. I, uh, well, I did one here like three or four years ago. It really went great for two years. Third year, it really started to go down. So I thought I'd redo it again this year and. The weeds got the better of me, so... <laughs> they have a tendency to do that, don't so they? So I got the tractor out and a big mower and uh, didn't look back. So <laughs> we will try it again next spring. <laughs> that Well, and we've discussed that before, right? Gardening is uh, it, it's a it's a new year every year, so... Uh, yep. Um, we've got a call. We'll uh, get to it. How's that sound? Um, sounds great. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, I have a hedge that I'm wanting to cut back by, you know, about a foot or so. And I'm wondering what time of year, this time of year or in the spring? Or... Gary, I'm going to refer that one to you. I would, uh, you know, you could cut it back after the leaves drop this fall. However, I would rather have you wait until spring so that the, uh, any of the limbs or whatever that you cut off or cut back have a chance to heal throughout the summer. If you cut them back this winter, uh, that plant will not have that opportunity, so it'll probably leave it open for diseases and pest problems that could occur. So I would like to see you wait until spring, if you could. Is it a uh, blooming hedge? No, it's an elm hedge. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Uh, so, so blooming hedges... You might want to wait until after it blooms in the spring to do your trimming on it. But if it's a non-blooming hedge, March, April, yeah. that time frame mm -hmm. would probably be best. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Anything else on your mind today? No, you guys do a great job. Okay. Thank, Thank, you. You, very Thank much. you very much. <laughs> we, we have another question that Lynn just presented to me. 
the question is, uh, should I pick my pumpkins before Tuesday? And I'm saying no. Let them freeze. That uh, well. Light, light <laughs> them, maybe maybe you frost. should rephrase that a little bit. <laughs> the canopy of the pumpkin plant actually will go down, and that's the greatest way to tell if you've had a freezing frost. And so if you're really worried about your big pumpkin, cover it. Um, uh, Grab the quilt. With a quilt, yeah, cover it up, baby it out. Um, because the pumpkin way off is October 5th. And I have a side note about that. We, uh, we actually, it's a, we had a typo on our advertising. It's uh, weigh in at 1 o'clock, excuse me, registration at 1 o'clock way off to follow so we're not going to have that many pumpkins so i mean it's the registration and way off happen about the same time so uh that's one o'clock okay. out at the frontier uh shelter, shelter mm -hmm. at the fairgrounds at the fairgrounds okay uh anybody and chris has got that change anybody yeah. making side bets oh there's always side bets <laughs> No, there's no side bets. That's illegal. State of Wyoming doesn't like that. What, what <laughs> this are you, isn't a horse race. What are your odds? <laughs> My odds are slim to none. I, I don't have a very big pumpkin this year. Slim to none. Yeah, well, you've mentioned that there's been a little uh, people trash talking. Trash this talking. Year. And so again, um, you know, everybody says, "Oh, we've got some contenders," and so you know, what does that mean? Well, it means. Hey, they've taken a nice picture of it, and they're not so uh, shy to show it to you. It's like it's like Grandma going, "Oh, look at my new grandson!" And you know, you've got nineteen thousand pictures to look at, and you go, "Thanks." And do they use a really small hand in front of it so that the no, pumpkin looks really big? No, no. Uh, what I've always suggested is you get a yardstick. Okay. Two yardsticks, really, and cross them, and then that gives you a very good idea of how big your pumpkin is okay and then there's also a a formula by doing that and then the circumference around the pumpkin to tell you how much it weighs and so you know within 50 to 80 pounds <laughs> <laughs> now it's come on gary when you're talking about when you're talking about a thousand pound pumpkin who cares if it's 80 pounds it's, less it might not be statistically accurate there but it's uh, there you go, there go. <laughs> i know you science guys <laughs> like it more empirical that, that that was for ted bentley i think okay <laughs> uh, okay uh we've uh, what what do, what do you got on your mind today, Gary, that you would like to talk about? Sanitation in the garden and yeah. the lawn. Yeah. Uh, had a number of calls this year because it's been a wet, cool spring. We've had a lot of oak leaf blister, things like that. Uh, so leaves that have a fungus or a disease on your trees, you want to rake those up. Do not compost and get rid of them. The uh, spores from the disease will not die in the compost pile, so it's best to get ri rid of those uh, type of things. Uh, would you recommend burning, or is that not a good idea? Uh, it's up to whatever the city ordinances allow you to right. do. Right, but <laughs> if it's okay with where you're at, sure. that's a good way to dispose. Yeah, that's one way to get rid of uh, it. Okay, yep, excellent. Because you don't want to put it in the city compost either. No. Right. Right. No. Uh, Gary, one of the weeds that keeps showing up in turf this year is uh, uh, that prostate prostrate spurge. Okay. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah, it's the one that'll rip back from its shadow if you hang it on the fence line. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, do I, I know that there are some there are some varieties of that particular thing that are somewhat tolerant to two four D. Do you have any good options for controlling that thing in turf? You know, uh, some of the products out there have two four D. They also have a di- dicamba and car fentrazone. So there's uh, two other products of the dicamba is the same. Uh, mode of action is 2,4-D, but carfentrazone is a little bit different, so you have a different mode of action uh, to help you out there. And uh, while we're talking about uh, weeds in the lawn, uh, now is going to be a great time to spray your dandelions. Spray them in the fall. Now, or would you wait until after we have that first significant freeze? Well, first freeze, first frost would actually be the best, but uh, okay. but, but fall's the best time to treat them. So, so that becomes a tricky thing, right? You want to make sure that we have that nice cold snap, but you got to get out there before the leaves start falling off the tree so that you make sure that the herbicide actually gets to right. the weeds that you're trying to control. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Uh, timing is everything on that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and these highs and lows, gosh, 83 on Sunday. Right. I mean, and it's w- 50 what, on t- Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a weather yo yo. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, that's what we have out here. Um, and I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, but the uh, traditionally the um, uh, cottonless cottonwood leaves, it they're either green or not there, right? or they're horizontal (laughs) well it could be from a variety of things but um uh they are in in the fall you know people talk about well they they don't last they don't turn color well that is true the cottonless cottonwood leaves they're just kind of disappear from your they're the first ones to fall off and unfortunately they don't really change color unless we get a cold snap in uh, early september and then then they are green one day, yellow the next, and fall off the third day. <laughs> so, just one of those types of things. Leaves are falling. It makes gutter cleaning a little easier that way. Uh, well, it makes it a longer gutter cleaning season. Yeah. <laughs> Our honey locust produces just real tiny little leaves, and they will they will go through our gutter guard. We probably need a smaller <laughs> diameter gutter guard, but uh, they'll go in and they'll plug up a little bit and really need to make sure hey that's one of the winter fall cleanup projects things to do clean up your gutters yep uh we had talked about this show being a how to prep for fall and getting ready for fall and cleaning possibly cleaning up our tools and putting them away and and uh one of the things we used to talk about was uh tool sharpening you know at the end of the season you're getting ready to put things away you'd like them to be ready to go in the spring Good time to sharpen your shovel, sharpen your hose. Um, and then, uh, Gary, do you recommend maybe coating them with a light oil or just making sure that they're not in a damp location? A uh, little bit of both. So I would recommend after you know you got them cleaned up, sharpened, uh, spray them with a little WD-40 and wipe that around it. and That should hold it through the winter. Uh, yeah, storm in a dry place. If you have uh, shovels, rakes, things like that, hose that have a wooden handle that's starting to see its better days, it uh, might start to crack or something. What I've done with mine, and uh, some of mine uh, probably date back to my grandfather, which I'm kind of proud of, uh, I bought a like a two or three inch piece of PVC, glued a cap on the end, got that PVC the length of my longest handle, uh, got some linseed oil and uh, poured it in there 
put the handle of that uh, implement, the longest one in there, and then kind of filled it up to the top and let it soak for a couple of weeks and then take it out and hang it in a place where it can uh, kind of drip dry and and that'll, uh, you know, keep that wood. Sand that handle a little bit yeah, first. You can, well, you don't or later. Or later. If, it, if it's used really well, it won't need to be sanded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the splinters will already be worked out of it. <laughs> there's, there's I really another, like that idea. Yeah. But, but yes. There's another hack about keeping the metal nice is uh, get a five-gallon bucket of sand and pour used oil or even clean oil into that bucket and then uh, jam your shovel mm-hmm. into the shovel mm-hmm. implement metal part in and out of that a couple of times in the abrasion and the oil will coat that as well and uh and keep uh, the rust off of it what about um uh, pump oil would that be a good alternative gary you know what i'm talking about the uh, irrigation pump you know i guess it would i mean uh, i won't say oil's oil but uh, it's uh, lubricant and it uh, displaces water so. sure I have a product that I inherited from my granddad. It's called rust inhibiting grease. I mean, it's okay. even it's even labeled as rust inhibiting grease. Yeah, R I G. Yeah, rig. And um, uh, if you coat something with grease, wouldn't it all be rust inhibiting grease? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> even Vaseline would be. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you, you can do that on on your products as well. Sure. Uh, so anyhow, this product, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I have no, I, I think it's probably vintage forties, uh, product, uh, and it's probably 90% full. It's a, it's about a, a quart, half quart okay. size container, but, uh, it's, it's fascinating to look you at that stuff. You could shove your, the, your RIG into that PVC pipe. Um, it wouldn't go very far. <laughs> And I don't think you'd want it on your handles of your Probably tools. Not. <laughs> your hands wouldn't have any rust on them either. Right. Um, uh, linseed oil is also useful for treating wooden ladders, correct, Gary? Yeah. Okay. Bet. Absolutely. All right. And, you know, if you've got a, a trailer that's got a wooden bottom, that's what I use on mine. Actually, uh, I get a gallon of linseed oil and a gallon of paint thinner and mix it 50-50. So the thinner kind of thins out that oil penetrates the wood a little bit better. Spreads a little bit more. One of my first jobs was uh, painting a barn with half linseed oil and half red paint. My dad's... Oh, we have similar memories, although yeah. mine wasn't a barn. It was a garage. Yeah, my... <laughs> the guy says, I'm looking for somebody that can paint. You know anybody, Joe? He goes, yeah, my boy here can do it. I, I go, think that's how I got involved yeah. in my project. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I'll have him out here what time? 8 o'clock? Yeah, 8 o'clock. So. Yeah, for, for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and that barn just sucked that linseed oh, and oh paint yeah. oh yeah and by he, the way you got to scrape it first oh yeah I, <laughs> it didn't need scraping it was gone 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 oh the front projects we do right Absolutely. <laughs> so gary i have a, a burning question that i have so sanitation the garden are you a believer in clearing off that garden before fall before spring clearing it off so that you you don't have any critters overwinting wait wait a minute are you trying to get confirmation from gary that you can rototill no but i'm gonna i'm gonna rototill this weekend because it's gonna rain and that's one thing i just love to do is rototill in the in the rain because the soil is dry enough that a little rain mixed with the rototilling gee that's pleasant for me 
I'm, I'm glad it's good for you. Now, Gary, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Please answer his question. Okay, so, uh, you know, you look at it maybe a couple of ways. So if you remove all the vegetation that's dead, you know, that's a good thing. Like you said, it keeps the voles away. It keeps, you know, cleans up any insects that might have been on those plants to overwinter, their egg masses and that kind of thing. And since you want to rototill, Jerry, uh, get some good compost. Till it in this fall. It'll give it a chance to break down through the winter. It'll build up your soil, uh, loosen it up. So, yeah, I would say clean it off as best yeah. you can. E- even now, if it's not broken down compost, would would organic matter of any type work well if you rototilled it in? It would. Uh, manure, you need at least, what, 120 days? Uh, yes. Before you can use anything or, or should plant, plant into it. So, yeah, any type of organic matter like that uh with the compost i think would probably be the best now we've had one guest host talk about maybe putting a blanket on our garden a blanket of maybe alfalfa and or organic matter and not rototilling and having all the bugs and worms and uh composting microorganisms microorganisms come up and and uh chew on stuff and put by putting a blanket on it, but we have moles and voles, so I'm wondering if that's a, just a hotel invitation to come on over. Is you know half a dozen hard one to or say. The other. It all depends maybe where your garden's at. If it's close to the house, probably not. If it's uh, you know out there 100 feet away or better, where the voles probably won't come around the house and damage any other plants, I'd say go ahead and probably do it. Yeah, and I have one other idea. Yep. So they always sell these vibration units they don't work and so i was thinking why not bury work. why not bury a radio and turn it on really loud that that wouldn't work either well it might work at least until it rains but you know i i've, I've put up a <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> but they 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 always you know talking about the windmills they talk about the little whirly gigs and they talk about all that uh, the sonar stuff. We're just wasting our money, huh? You're wasting uh-huh. your money. Uh-huh. Yes. So, but, you know, the voles, or we're talking moles or voles? Both. Okay, voles are on the surface for the most part. So if you take away their cover on the surface, uh, they're not going to want to be around in that area. So that includes, you know, around the house and things like that. Clean up your flower beds, things like that. And then uh, moles, they are a predator, so they are after insects in the ground, earthworms mostly, and... Uh, grubs so if you don't have any of those in your lawn you should not have any moles well if you have a healthy lawn you should have some worms yes you should unless you've poisoned and killed them (laughs) if you treated for grubs you probably won't have earthworms yeah yeah there's a trade-off right always a a trade-off uh gary you might know this um uh jerry if you can find that picture of that multiple lined ground beetle that i told you i didn't have a name for oh i do uh and and share that with gary he might be able to give you the name of it i off the top of his head i still haven't looked that one up um it's not the 10 stripe beetle is it i think it might be it's the 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 big green it's the big one that squeaks yeah 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 yeah, the 10 stripe okay yeah so while you're looking for that we're going to take a uh, little break and listen to our sponsors and we'll be back in a moment all right, we are back. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Show. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm having a tongue, tongue twister you. today. Today, um, 
we are happy to have everybody here today. And uh, so, Gary, what was the verdict on the beetle? Uh, ten stripe beetle. Ten stripe beetle. They are quite large. Yeah. They, they do make noise when you hold, hold them, them down. down. And they're common. And they are very common in our area. They haven't found a live one yet to hold him down. <laughs> see, <laughs> see how he squeaks. They're... Um, uh, their grubs or their larvae are uh, also found in turf, yes. and they're going to be quite large. Yes. Uh, so um, uh, now, are they? They're they're root feeders, right, yes. Gary? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we talk about treating four grubs, um, it's a whole family of grubs that can be in the turf that we're trying to control, right? Yes. Many different things. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's June beetles, June bugs that we talk about that are usually brown that we come across as adults. These are the things that, these are all things that fly very poorly and hit the screen in the middle of the night or hang on the screen and, and, uh, or you uh, go out next morning and if you had a night light on, there's these little brown tan beetles laying all around. So, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, they're, they are around, they happen. I see we had another caller, possibly. Yeah, gopher control. Mounds in the garden. So, we need to know, is it gophers or are we talking moles? Right. Because moles will make a mound occasionally. But I consider moles beneficial. And I take issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good that we can discuss this rationally without going to... And, to and, and agree to disagree. And agree to disagree. And right. I'll agree and disagree with both of you. As long as he's not my lawn, that's fine. Right. <laughs> we have somebody else's yard. It's like, not in my backyard. <laughs> so... If we could all trap them and, 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 uh, and present them to Jeff as a present... Yay! I, I have guess. Pl I have plenty. You don't need to yeah, drop them by me. Plenty. Please don't live trap them and bring them my direction. I would. I would just love. And you know, you talked to me about a cinch trap. So I have not looked that up online. So four gophers, and I don't know if Gary will agree with me or not, but there is a particular, and I, I hate to talk about one particular thing as a promotional item because there's lots of there, stuff. There's a lot of traps up there, but the thing that works best for me. It's called a cinch trap. But you have to dig it in, don't you? You have to dig a hole and find, dig a hole through the mound and find where their open hole is at. Yeah. Where the runway is at. Where the runway is, thank you. And, and put, and usually when you find the runway, the, the tunnel is going two directions. So you have to have two traps and put that in there one way and another way. And it, it actually has, um, it's kind of a vicious trap. It it has teeth on it that will close because they come in and push a plunger, so and it'll grab them. Are, so, are you talking the flat one or the one that's uh, kind of S shaped? The flat one. See, and I prefer the S shape. So you know whatever yeah. works for me might a, not work for somebody else. There's all kinds of plungers that you can put. That's for moles. Plungers and that sort of thing that moles, not gophers. Plun so moles, when they are tunneling and they're <laughs> and they're when they're uh, being a problem in your turf. Yes. Their tunnels are more surface. Yes. They're closer to the surface. So those plunger type ones, if you set them over the top of a tunnel, or yeah, a tunnel and, run, and huh? and the mole, and, and you push the tunnel down to make it flat. So when he comes in, he wants to dig it. Yeah, I'll push. He'll push that dirt up and he'll trip the pan. And uh, take, 
care of the problem. That <laughs> trap will come down and get him. Yep. Now, those won't work for a gopher because gophers burrow much deeper, deeper. than a mole. And the mole, I, as I understand it, will actually uh, dig a uh, up-and-down hole to trap other moles. And it's like a little... Have you not heard of that? <laughs> I have not heard that. I, I, I love I Gary's look it, on his I face. I love it. I saw it on the internet. Parlez-vous <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, if I can promote a Nebraska <clears throat> Extension Bulletin, certainly, I, please know, do. Ju- just have them uh, UNL pubs, gophers, or UNL pubs, moles, or UNL pubs, voles. Uh, we've got three good publications on all three of the little critters and they cover just about all the topic you would want to know about. I have a question for you, Gary. Yes. Vermin related. Um, Do we have pack rats in the area? I've heard that we do. I've not ever seen one myself. Okay, so if one would put out bait blocks, would a vole completely remove a bait block? Or would... Could a vole carry a bait block away? Uh, how big's the bait block? <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's those sticks. Yeah. It's it's the tall one. It's uh, so it's like three inches long and two inches wide. I think it's possible. We do have a phone call, I believe. I've seen those in a yellow. I've seen those in a blue green. I've seen right those and bait it blocks. and it depends on so they. I, I doubt it. Okay, all right. So I'm guessing it's something. It, it's either kangaroo rats, because they're hoarders, and or um, or pack rats. So we have another caller. We're going to get to that. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, I w- would like to know where a mole winters in the winter time. Do they do they burrow down deep? Any or ideas, Gary? Uh, I, I think our pubs uh, indicate how their tunnel runs and everything work. I cannot remember what they do. I don't think they overwinter. Well, they you don't stay active. Uh, yeah, they, they don't, don't hibernate like no, don't others. Hibernate. I think they're active over winter so, as well. Yeah, so what we call their nest or their main den, yes, th- those are all deeper for the gophers and the moles. So, uh, but they still remain active for the most part because they. Uh, don't hibernate, as Jeff said, so they still need to go out and look for grubs in the soil and things like that as best they can. But the mole will use a gopher run, right? I've never heard that. I won't say that they won't, but uh, like, uh, but they're more generally a, a surface or, or closer to the soil surface than a, than a gopher is. Uh, gophers, you know, tend to be deeper and uh, feed on the roots, you know. But the moles, they're going to stay closer to the surface because that's where their food source is. And, and gophers are very territorial. If there are things in their tunnels or in their runs, they will uh, fight to keep them, out. keep them out or kill it or something. So I, I, I don't know. I've not seen that or heard that. I have not well, my experience is this spring I caught uh, I had two mounds, gopher mounds, that were about three feet apart. I set traps in each one of them. And when I went 
back the next day and checked it, I had a mole in one and a gopher in the other one. <laughs> now, well, there, that's there, all I'm going by. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll go with that, too. <laughs> Quite a great teacher. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, congratulations on your successful trapping effort, too, by the way. <laughs> now, if you were in Colorado, they would be transplanted. <laughs> we will transplant yeah. our <laughs> moles and right. gophers and... No disparaging remarks about Colorado. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I saw they were actually putting, like, liquid soapy stuff down and then reaching in with their bare hand and grabbing these pups by the back of their neck and then transplanting them. Gophers or prairie dogs? Prairie dogs. Yeah. Prairie dogs. Oh, yeah, prairie dogs. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, Different subject. Different topic. Yeah, number four. All right, sir. Uh, anything else? Anything else on your mind that you'd like to say? That's that's enough for one day. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Yeah. I had a comment about us giggling too much. And I go, boy, you guys seem to have a good time today. You know, go, if we okay, if we don't have a good time, nobody has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to talk about prairie dogs? Not so much. Okay. All right. We can we can save that for next year. Yeah, that's a county by county issue, and I don't think we want to get into that. Yeah. Either. So let's, right. let's change subject then. I'll certainly I'll talk about hey a, a public announcement about hey when the when there's freezing temperatures approaching, undo your faucet from your house. Good good message. Yes. Undo, boy. If you want to mess and drain your hoses. Yeah. If you want to mess. Good Lord, uh, that's that's the best way to make a mess. A mess, uh, expense to fix, uh, and uh, a slip trip hazard. Yeah, time and effort to because that deal ice with. will that dripping faucet will freeze, 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 and make a nice ice volcano. Yes, so to speak, and uh, it takes a long time to let that thaw. You have to get a weed burner and burn. <laughs> okay, from idea. from personal experience. experience. Yeah. And I I agree uh Gary with that idea of draining your hose because what if it's a nice day and you want to water your trees and your let's hose talk, is frozen. Yeah, let's your talk about so watering nice. our trees, Gary. So uh evergreens a good drink and before really before the ground freezes up, it'll be a great thing to do. Ash trees as well. Uh you know, you can do that, but uh, broadleaf trees have dropped their leaves, so they're not going to be tra transpiring any moisture throughout the winter as the evergreens do. So, okay. uh, not so much the ashes, unless it's real dry. Now, uh, a lot of the calls that I get throughout the summer, or this year especially, has been trees from weather damage, wind, hail, what, whatever. Uh, I have a six-foot soil probe, soil moisture probe, moisture soil probe. Whatever. Yeah, you we know. know what you're talking about. Okay, well, maybe other people don't. So it's about a quarter-inch uh, diameter rod of spring steel. Got a little ball on the end of it. And uh, if there's moisture in the soil, I'm able to push it down to the level that there's moisture. <coughs> but if there's not, it's like hitting a brick wall. And so well, I always take that with me when I make these calls and I go around the tree, around the drip line or underneath the tree. And uh, if I can't push that in... That tree's dry. It's not getting any moisture. And the people say, well, I water my lawn. I say, well, yes, your grass gets that water, but your tree is not getting water. Right. So, th so they are amazed at 
sometime I can't even get that started. And then I let them try it so they can see I'm not trying to fool them or anything. <laughs> uh, it's it's an eye opener for them. It certainly is, and and you can do the same thing with a screwdriver. Absolutely, a really long screwdriver. Um, uh, one of the tools I inherited from my grandfather again, uh, just to check and see how where the moisture is in your turf, around your trees, those types of things. And yeah. if they need moisture. Get some water on them. Get them on there. Yeah. Uh, we do have another caller, so if you guys are ready. We're ready. Okay. Hi. I was wondering how late in the fall should I water my willow trees? Um, I'm lo You know, because they have so much water in their branches um, that I'm afraid that that'll freeze, and then next spring I'll pay for the damage that way. Go, know, go ahead, Gary. I would think the sap should, you know, most of it should work its way back down to the roots. Uh you know, I think you can still water trees up to a hard freeze. Don't trees have kind of a, a natural antifreeze kind of stuff in them? Some yeah. of them, not so, all. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. So the willow tree seems to want to hang on to leaves clear till 1st of December. Okay. Uh, you know, again, it's a soil freeze up. So as long as the soil isn't froze, or if it's gotten down to 32, you know, 34, then I would say, you know, call it quits. But okay, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else on your mind? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, um. <laughs> Since you have the opportunity. <laughs> okay, okay. We've had a whole bunch. I called a couple weeks ago about what to put in with my tomatoes to get them bigger. And I talked to another gentleman, and he uses um, powdered milk. When he ma plants the tomato, he puts powdered milk in the bottom of the hole so they have enough calcium. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yes, we have. Go and, ahead, Gary. And, and uh, calcium and water are the two things about blossom end rot. So blossom end rot isn't a uh, disease per se. It's uh, uh, an imbalance of calcium or watering improperly. So I can see why it puts the powdered milk down there because calcium's what's in that powdered milk. Okay, okay. And how do I get rid of hollyhocks? <laughs> Fire. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll take this one for okay. a Okay. <laughs> so, hollyhocks are are known to have lots of seed and seed pods, and there's multiple seeds in those pods. So, when your blooms stop blooming, when your flower stops blooming, that's that that big giant stalk needs to be clipped off right at the bottom and those seeds disposed of if you don't want them to be uh, spread. Now as far as killing them, you want them gone? I want them gone. I mean they've got stalks. I've had to use a saw to cut them down. <laughs> then I'm going to translate this for Gary. Okay, so hollyhocks. The, uh I wish I had a bunch, so maybe I'll come talk to you. <laughs> okay. Because I think they're kind of nice. Anyway, so if you want to get rid of them totally, like Jerry said, uh, if you uh, cut them off down there close to the base, right after you cut them, not 20 minutes, not a day later, right after you cut them off, treat them with glyphosate, and that should do a okay. pretty good treat, treat the Because I didn't treat. think they were supposed to be uh, perennial, but some oh, of mine are. have come up from oh. the same... Yeah, stock every year. Yeah, they are. They're they're perennial and they drop seed. So yes. they they have a two uh, two approach. Aren't they two year plants basically? Yeah, so they don't flower usually until the second year. Right. Um, so oh. so then the other thing, the third 
level of control if you're interested. If this is a flower bed that you don't have any other annuals coming up in, uh, you could go out in the spring and use a pre-emergent product to at least suppress them. The seedlings. The seedlings. Then prevent the new seedlings from germinating. So uh, it, it's going to take some time, but you will win. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your call. Un unlike uh, some of the, the viney crops that we see, uh, uh, morning glory, gee, they're tough. You, they you, are, they're an annual, and they are tough, tough, tough. You're to not going to win. You're not going to win. Yeah, no. I've seen that. I've, I've put down alfalfa hay slabs uh, in this one area where we have a, a nice bean pole fence is what I originally had for it. And I told my neighbors that we were going to have a giraffe, and she believed me. Uh, <laughs> but these morning glories, gee whiz, they're tough. Yeah, so um, I've read reports where morning glory can actually grow through pavement. Oh, I wouldn't. I, I believe that. Yeah. Morning or find a crack. Or bindweed. Or B both. Bindweed, okay. yeah. Are you talking bindweed or morning no, glory? No, morning glory. Oh, okay. Bindweed. But hey, bindweed is just as terrible. Go for. Yeah, go. <laughs> go for a prey dog. Yeah. There's there's some subjects that push some buttons, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Hey, let me ask you about spider bites and ant bites. Certainly. Uh, do do spiders actually bite or do they just penetrate? And do What do you define as a bite? Yeah, well, well it's uh, okay. got a nice red ring around an okay, area, and so, you go, oh, got a spider bite. So let's, let's talk about this. The, the red harvester ants that we have around here actually bite and sting. Okay. Um, which is very typical of what fire ants do. Okay, they bite and sting. They're all related to wasps. Do they have a stinger on their hind end, like, yep. a, like a, a bee? Yep. Yes, they do. Okay. Okay. The majority of ants do not have a stinger. Just mouth parts that where they can Mandibles. bite. Mandibles. Thank you very much. So they bite. Yes. Okay. So they will bite. That's a true bite. Yes. Um, and so the mandibles on an ant, let's get into a little physiology here. <laughs> they, they move from left to right. Okay. Yeah. They... Uh, Unlike our mouths that move up and down, their mouths move left to right. Sideways. Uh -huh. Okay, sideways. So uh, spiders, on the other hand, their chelicera, if we're talking technical terms, <laughs> um, they actually wrap underneath their body, and it's like two um, uh, fangs on a snake. Okay. O only not as big, right? Right. So they're normally they're normally wrapped up underneath their body and they will open up and then bite and make two puncture wounds whereas ants may just be a single pinch there we go so uh that's why the granddaddy long legs spider it's not a spider <laughs> mr technical Looks it's like a, it's a it's it's in it's it's in a different family okay okay opilionid closer to a scorpion huh yeah. But he's got such big long legs that he can't get his mouth parts down on you, right? Well, they're so small. And small. They're so small. so that's the thing about spiders. The majority of spiders are so small, they can't open their mouths wide enough or, or lift up high enough to bite you. Okay? Huh. 
So, whereas an ant could be, I mean, yeah, they don't need right a big area. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Not that we really cleared anything <laughs> up, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why is a why is a granddaddy? He's more like a scorpion. Yeah, like Jeff said, it's a different family. Okay, but, but they call him a granddaddy yeah, long yeah, legs. Yeah, yeah. And we call yeah. them spiders, but they're not. But they're not a spider. spider. They're they're, they're also spider. they're also called harvestmen. Yes. Okay, and they are predatory. Uh, they do eat, feed on other insects. Yeah. Yeah. So nice one to have around. Yes. Yeah. Good one to have around. Yeah. Right, good. So uh, I talked with Roberto Luke. We had all got a solitary beehive. Uh, oh yeah she put hers up okay and she was looking at it the other day and she says it's full well that's a good thing and that's a good thing and she put it around her roses and she was wondering what the heck was was chewing on her roses and <laughs> then she looked at her bee and then made the connection and and uh zingo bingo and she says did you have anybody and i said no we put ours for decorative purposes <laughs> but i'm going to put it in our our area on a fence uh, morning sun, about five feet high, and uh, start watching. Yeah, that, so, that's a good way uh, to. I thought that was so cool. Keep them around and keep them busy and make keep them that. happy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We got a question here. Uh, caller called in. They wanted to know when you would trim an evergreen uh, type shrub. Uh, again, I would say wait until spring. Uh, one, we might get winter kill, which we did. This year? A year ago, yeah. In October, <laughs> it was, uh, what, 14th and 15th. It dropped down to 4 and 8 degrees, like 50. Right. And, man, that bingoed a lot of trees. So wait until spring, see what the winter has done to the uh, shrub, and then uh, let it green up. Or, well, it's already green for the most part, but make sure there aren't any other dead uh, parts on the plant that you would have to trim out. And then I would say trim in the spring. Uh, Gary, uh, we... we uh, uh, when you're talking about bingo, to me, that that's a good thing, right? Bingo. Yeah. Sure. Instead of a derogatory term where it got something. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you yell bingo, you do get it. Usually somebody gets something. <laughs> and everybody else gets mad at the guy that's yelling bingo. So at our fall cleanup, we already mentioned a couple of things. Clean your gutters. Uh, run your small engines with either some fuel additive or dry, drain your hoses, uh, remove your hoses from the faucets, change your filters on your heater, uh, test your alarm on your smoke detectors, and maybe change the batteries and reverse the direction of your f ceiling fans. And try to seal up any cracks and leaks that you might have in your around your foundation. Windows. Windows, yep. Another and, good thing. Uh, those types of things. So, and yeah. if you're cleaning up your garden, by all means, Bend your knees. Yes. Uh, Blow out a little bit when you're bending over. I, I, I had a very active Saturday last weekend, and it took me until Tuesday to be uh, a ice on <laughs> feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh, overactivity. I was... Uh, we're not getting over, are we, No, we're not. I, I, I was uh, uh, working on a project, and I think I overexerted, which happened. So be careful out there when you're working on winterizing your house and home. Yeah. Uh I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up. I've got a uh, little message from the 811 folks that I'd like to play, uh, which is uh, the call before you dig, people. Yes. Uh, just as a reminder, 
I think there was a water main that was ruptured here recently in a in a fencing activity in Nebraska. Maybe it wasn't a main, but it was a significant uh, thing to keep track of. Uh, we appreciate all your phone calls. We appreciate uh, laughing and uh, participating and having a good time this year. Um, Sing the song, Jeff. Uh, which one? Happy Trails. Oh, yeah, 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 that one. Um, we, See you again. Uh, we, we have plans to be back next year. Our contract was written. <laughs> <laughs> have you checked that letter for sure? <laughs> oh, I, haven't, I haven't checked that yet. Okay. Yeah, I should. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for all of our callers uh, today and every day when we're on the air. And uh, we'll be back next year. All right, Jeff, Jerry, thank you for having me. You thank, you. thank you. Bye. All right. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811, brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.